afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Jeff Peterson joins us today with Heartland Farm Partners as we are broadcast today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Crazy week again for markets. Let's look at the big picture. Monday's report, I think, maybe caught a few people off guard. We started last quarter of the year and a new month all in the same week. You're exactly right. And and it was great to see. We were sitting in the office before the report came out. We said, you know what? What are we going to find? Are we going to finally get a supportive report? Because it had been a while. And, and it was great to see that we did have support in there. But you're exactly right. What a strange month. We, we did get a little bit of a bounce. But if we sit back and think big picture what's going on, there's just so many unknowns. And as we dig into that, the, the big, and that's causing a lot of the issues because you think about the fund position. Funds are short. And so they're still kind of holding this market down. And they're letting it bounce up a little bit, but really not too much, because the uncertainty is what are these yields going to be as we go down the road? And and as there hasn't been enough combines out there yet to get that going. And then we've even had a few reports come out. You know, FC Stone was out with their report and said, well, the, their yield went up a little bit. I don't think that's going to be the case once we get enough combines in the field. I think we're going to find the yields come down on on both corn and beans, but you got a lot of uncertainty there. You continue to have a forecast that keeps enough warmth in here further out, and, and we've had some warmth. We don't have any warmth right now. It's cold today, but what we've got is it's enough to keep us from not necessarily having any big freezes across the whole corn belt, but there was parts of Nebraska, and there was parts of North Dakota and South Dakota that caught some freezes. So you bring all those factors together, and then here we are, Susan, just still trying to bide time to find more information. So a week ago today, I was in a car going through South Dakota into North Dakota, and it just amazed me at where the crops were at. And everything that you have been talking about in development, it's there. I've never seen spring wheat in so many areas so short as what I saw. And, and pivots were going yeah. on corn. So that tells you, if you're seeing pivots going end of September, that's not a good sign. No, it's not. And that's the big thing that we have to think about is that you know, the report we got out from the crop progress that came out Monday, just to kind of run down through you, um, percent mature for North Dakota, 15%. You go to South Dakota, you're at 29%. You go into Minnesota, you're about 22%. And that's stuff that's mature. But here's the hard part to think about with that, Susan. There's still some stuff that's not to dent yet. As we look at uh, North Dakota, they're 75% dented. We've got South Dakota at 84% dented. And we've got Minnesota at 88% dented. And the only reason I bring those things up is that we're still vulnerable in those areas for a freeze that can impact production. And we know as you continue to head eastward, you know, into Wisconsin, we know crops are about the same boat that they are in Minnesota. And then you hear about how much rain that they've gotten in the eastern Corn Belt this week. I and mean, we thought we were wet, nothing compared to what they are dealing with. Oh, that's exactly right. And and as a result, what we're finding is that, you know, the moisture level is staying higher in the corn. And, and we went through and we said, you know, what what would happen if we got a killing freeze up in North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota? And so how we broke this out is we looked at everything in regard to stuff that wasn't a dent yet. And we said, if it's not a dent yet, we'll say we're going to lose 40% of the yield. And then we looked at everything that was at the mature side, and we said, well, let's just use the state yields on that. And then we said the stuff in between, we said, well, between dent, just got started, and black layer, we'll just do a simple average of those two yields we use there. And what we came up with is that if they had a killing frost or actually killing freeze up there across North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, it would be about probably 400 million bushels of production lost. Now, you put that in perspective, 
you know, I think our number is probably a little bit high there. I don't think it'd quite be that high, but but we're also talking a killing freeze. You know, and so what is that? Well, probably four four hours below uh, 32 degrees or getting down to 28 degrees. So the odds of us having a, a complete killing freeze across that region are probably not real high. But I also think the likelihood that we're going to get all those areas to maturity without a freeze, it's not real likely that's going to happen. So speaking of that, as we look at the next report that comes out October 10th, are you expecting any surprises in those? You know, unfortunately, I, I would really like to see some lower yields come in. But I just I just don't think it's going to be far enough along yet on these crops. Can we think about it? There's, there's the two sides of it. There's a producer survey. And then there's also the objective side. The producer, the farmer, he's been out in there. He's done a little, you know, some harvesting. I don't think he feels as good about his crop for both corn and beans as he did a month ago. Because keep in mind, the report that will come out on the 10th, that will be yields as of October 1st. And so what I think as a result will happen there is that I think we've got uh, the farmer probably thinking yields are down a little bit. There will be a few opportunities for the objective side when we're actually out in the field for them to weigh a few more ears but i just don't think there's going to be enough of a difference there yet to bring that yield down enough yet so i think we're going to have to have more time yet to really understand where these yields are out on both corn and beans you know i've heard the comments too have been made of boy i don't remember the last time we've had to maybe plan thanksgiving meals around harvesting and it's something to be factored in very much so i think everybody's mind and, and the other thing the traders are thinking they go back to 2009 and I can remember harvesting um, the week before Thanksgiving. Unfortunately, the corn was still 23% moisture, which might be where we're at again this year. But but the the challenge we had back then and the market looked at is that we ended, still ended up with a record crop there. And I don't believe for a minute that's the case for this right. year. But the fact that it's laying around out there gets a few people thinking that. And I think that's been one of the many things this, that's kept this market from really getting the strength to bounce up higher. I want to look before we... Uh to China here in the second half. So since we're talking crops, my understanding that Brazil is very dry right now. They are, but the conditions are improving though. And that's the thing is they're just the exact opposite of last year. Last year at their time, they were slamming that bean crop in. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, not so much. They're actually waiting for some rains. If you're in a very northeast corner, they're actually needing even more rain yet. All right, well, stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's going on with China. It's trade talk number 13. Question is, could it be lucky 13 but we've got a holiday in there as well we'll also look at what we're going to see any additional strength that might be stepping into the marketplace lots happening on this thursday version it's the fontanelle final bell on the rural radio network Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Jeff Peterson joins us for part two. Let's start out with this quarterly stocks report. Do you see anything was a standout? Yeah, you know, we always we always like getting quarterly stocks numbers, Susan. And, and what we like to use those for is to really get a feel of how many bushels are out there. And the best way that we always look at that is we, we go through and we look at the state-by-state numbers. We look at the national numbers. We're always looking at... How did the ending stocks in 2018, the September numbers, plus the production for 18, how does that compare to the 19 numbers? And there's a few things that stand out that I think we all need to kind of put in the back of our mind. doesn't mean a lot for today, but it'll become more important down the road. On the corn between our stocks for September 1st and our production for the 19 crop compared to last year, we're going to have 646 million less bushels in the U.S. than there would have been a year ago. That's supportive for basis levels in many areas. Bean side, 436 million bushels, less than last year. 
as we bring those together. So those are some supportive things. But as we dig deeper into the numbers, first on the corn side, one thing that's interesting, Nebraska as a state, we're actually going to have about 31 million more bushels around. Okay, But that doesn't tell the whole story because South Dakota, unfortunately, is going to have almost 150 million bushels less. Wow. And that's a big deal, especially for northeast Nebraska in that Columbus market because they rely on a certain amount of bushels coming out of, you know, South Dakota, a little bit of out of Iowa, but those bushels aren't going to be there. Or if they are there, there's going to be strong demand coming also out of Minnesota. Minnesota's down 75 million bushels. Iowa's down 66 million bushels. So if you take the whole corridor in there, South Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa together, they're going to be down about 300 million bushels from where they were a year ago. So that's supportive for basis levels as we look down the road. I was just going to ask you that. How does that change what we see in the basis moving towards the end of this quarter? Yeah, it, it tightens things up. So, you know, we've got we've got two things that are kind of happening. Up in South Dakota, they are holding on to stocks. We've got some farmers up there that didn't get a chance to plant, you know, much corn at all. So what they do? They held on to their old crop stocks, kept it in storage. Then all of a sudden they aren't going to produce much, so there isn't going to be as much in storage. So it's going to make those basis levels extremely strong. It's happening now because there isn't enough corn coming to market, but it's going to actually continue to happen also once those bend doors close again. We know that harvest is going to get late, but it's going to get really spread out this year. So it is going to be supportive for basis longer term. And we'll be supportive then for these guys who didn't get that income off of 2018's crop, they might be able to make some of it up in, in 19 into 20. Yeah, it's, it's possible from that, ultimately what we see from the basis side and then the future side, that, that whole function is going to be a function of how the size of this crop turns out. As I've mentioned before, we, we do think that crop is going to get smaller yet as we go forward, but you know that'll be a big driver on what's going to go on on the, on the future price side. We know the elephant in the room that continues to hang around is China. Um, 13th set of trade talks are set to get underway, but we've got a Chinese holiday as well. So is it going to be pretty quiet in that perspective of information coming out of these discussions? Well, you know, I think the, the thing that's interesting is so their uh, Chinese holiday is going to end just prior to basically the meetings beginning. So that's good. So I think we're going to get some information will actually come out of the talks as we get going. But you're right, leading up to it, it's going to be very quiet for them coming out of going into those talks. A few things that we're noticing is that the tone is a little different going in. And what I mean by that is China's buying some more beans. We actually had some really good bean purchases today. Over 78 million bushels were purchased, and I think about 75% of those did go to China. So that's a, that's a good thing. Different than some of the other talks we've had. We've on the other side, though, Susan, we can't forget the next round of tariffs from the U.S. or that Trump's talking about putting in place or talked about going in place on October 15th. So if we don't have a lot of positive talk coming out of those talks, we should expect, I think, additional Trump tariffs to go in place there. Is there some, as we look at those trades, and obviously the other countries are closely watching, we want to see, and there's been the push to get USMCA taken care of. Right. And the pressure's on to make it a working recess to get this done for them. How does this all factor in, both grain and livestock side, for these folks? Yeah, it's unfortunately what it does, best way I can describe it, Susan, it kind of puts a wet blanket over the markets. And, you know, we've, we've there's been a, a number of problems that we've seen both domestically as it relates to the cattle side, you know, that's really put some pressure on that market. But as you step out in the whole world market, just the fact that there's concern on trade, it's not just with one country, that just kind of keeps some pressure on this market. And then what you do is you get the speculative traders, depending on which commodity they're in, they continue to just want to lightly sell it. 
And that's really what's kept us from actually moving this market higher in here. We just really need a spark here yet. So I was going to say, what's it going to take to get that spark to go? What's yeah. the strength factor? The strength factor, I think, is a fact is we, we have to get more known about the yields. It, it's not going to come from the demand side. The demand isn't going to give us some strength. There's actually some items out there that are concerning. It's going to have to come from the yields. The market's going to have to get convinced that we've actually got a smaller crop coming. That can then go ahead and be the spark that can go ahead and build and, and get this market headed back higher from here on both the corn and the bean side. All right, sounds good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com or follow me on Twitter at jeffpeterson01. Catch them tomorrow as well on Trading Bits and Bites. This has been brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers here on the Rural Radio Network. Pick up the podcast through our website or wherever you pick up your favorite podcast. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.